Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Today's program is brought to you by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis, support.greatdetectives.net, using the Zelle app to box13 at greatdetectives.net, and by mail to Adam Graham, P.O. Box 15913, Boise, Idaho, 83715. In addition, you can become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters. For as little as $2 per month, just go to patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it's time for today's episode of Dragnet. The original air date, July the 19th, 1955, and the title is The Big Bobo. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned to Internal Affairs Division. A man who claims he's a policeman has been accepting bribes in your city. Evidence points to the fact that he is an officer. Your job? Check it out. the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step-by-step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Monday, April 18th. It was cold in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out of Internal Affairs Division. My partner's Frank Smith. The boss is Captain Fulton. My name's Friday. I was on my way into the office. It was 7.58 a.m. when I got to room 36. Squad room. Good morning. Hi. Are we keeping you up? Huh? There's a couch down the hall. Maybe you can use that. Yeah. Remember a couple of months ago, Faye was on that quiz show? Yeah. Yeah, I think I heard something about that. Well, one of the prizes was the dog. You know, they were going to give us a little pup. Mm-hmm. Turned out they were giving away cockers. They're nice dogs. Thoroughbred. Mm-hmm. Faye and me talked it over and decided we'd rather have one of those, those basset hounds. What are they? One of those dogs with a little short hind legs and long ears. You know, long face. Basset hounds. Mm-hmm. I see them in the magazines. You know, they got sad eyes. Always look so sad. Yeah. They're hard to get. We had to wait a while. I got the call Saturday. <laughs> Pup was there. Mm-hmm. I went out and picked him up. Mm-hmm. Named him Hector. Yeah, that's it, Hector. Why? Why? Well, because the old expression kind of fit. Mm-hmm. Since Hector was a pup, get it, Joe? Hector, see, still a pup. Oh, Hector the pup. <laughs> I was up with him all night. He couldn't sleep. Kept whining. You still work here, don't you? I just stayed up and kind of hummed to him and company. You still working here? Hmm? Oh. Anything yeah. come in this morning? Yeah, there's a couple of mug shots over there from Sacramento. Thank you. 
You'll be glad to get to bed tonight. Excuse me. Yes, ma'am. Something we can do for you? Man down room 38, Bunko, told me to come here. Yes, ma'am. DeBetta, that's his name, said to see you. Mm-hmm. Want to report something. All right. Would you like to sit down? Thank you. Now, what can we do for you? I think it's been too long. What's that? Well, I paid for it over a month ago. I'm tired of waiting. You want to tell us about what you mean? Well, Henry should be home by now. It's been over a month. Who's Henry? My husband, Henry Farwell. When I gave the man the money, he said he'd get Henry out of jail right away. That's what he told me. What man? The man who came to see me. Oh, yes, ma'am. But who was he? A policeman. Eight twelve a.m., we continued to talk to the woman. She identified herself as Mrs. Henry Farwell, and she gave us the full story. When did this man approach you, ma'am? Now, just a minute, Mr. Smith. I got it all written down. Ma'am? Got it right here in my bag. Yep, here it is. March 6th. That's when I met him. Where was I? What? Where'd you meet him? He came to the house, my house. Told me he wanted to talk to me about something. Said it was important. Mm-hmm. I didn't know him. There wasn't any reason he'd have anything important to talk to me about. But he said he knew the mister. You mean your husband? That's right. Henry Farwell. Is he in prison? Yes. Been there for three and a half years. We don't like to ask this, Miss Farwell, but it's necessary. Burglary. That's what he was convicted for. Judge told him he'd go to jail for five years to life. Mm -hmm. Was this the first time he's been in jail? I thought so. First, I thought it was all a mistake. They was wrong about the mister. Yes, sir. They weren't. Came out in the trial. Seems he'd done the same thing before, twice before. I see. I didn't know about it when we got married. Didn't have any idea. Mm-hmm. The mister's my second husband. Mm-hmm. First one died ten years ago. Woman my age gets lonely. So when Mr. Farwell asked me to marry him, I said yes. Then I found out about the stealing. Mm-hmm. And this man said he knew your husband, is that That's right? That's right. Told me they met several years ago. Uh-huh. Then he went on to tell me how the mister could get out. What do you mean? The way he told it. If you had friends who knew the right people, you could get out of jail. What's that? If the right people were paid, a man could get out of prison. Uh-huh. And he wanted you to give him some money? Not at first. When he came to the house at the beginning, he didn't even mention it, not at all. When did he bring it up? Oh, about a week later. Came over in the afternoon. I was out in the yard, and he said he'd met the people who were important, the ones who could get the mister out of prison. Did he say who these people were? No, just told me he'd met them. Mm-hmm. Well, what happened then? Uh, on March 14th, he told me that it could be arranged for the mister to get out of jail. Tell me, did he tell you how this could be done? Well, from what he told me, he talked to the right people. That's the way he said it, the right people. I see. If he gave him $5,000, the mister could be turned out. 5000 huh? Yes. I told him I couldn't give him that much, that I just didn't have it. What would the man say when you told him that? Asked me how much I could give him. Mm-hmm. I said if I sold a few things, did what I could to get more money, I, I might be able to pay 3500 And what did he say about that? Say it'd be all right? No, no, no. He told me he'd have to go back and talk to the people, ask them if it'd be enough. When did you see him again? Two days. He came back. What did he say then? Told me it'd be okay. The money'd be enough. Mm-hmm. I got it together and gave it to him. That same day? No. 
No, it was two days later, on March 16th. That's when I gave him the money. I see. And it's been over a month now, and the mister still hasn't been turned out. I wrote to him, but he doesn't say anything about coming home. I don't think he knows anything about it. Yes, ma'am. Now, I don't want to cause any trouble. Just want the mister out of prison, or else I want my money back. You told us this man was a policeman? That's right. In what city? I don't understand. Well, what city did he work in, or what city did he say he worked in? Here, in Los Angeles, right here. Did he show you some identification? Oh, yes. I wouldn't just hand over the money without that. I saw his badge. Mm -hmm. Does it look like this one? Let me see. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just like that one. Same thing. Mm -hmm. Did he give you a name? Yes. He said he was Jim Sorvell. Sergeant Jim Sorvell. That's S-O-R-V-E-L-L? That's right. I'll check it. Did you see anything else to identify him? What do you mean? Well, did he show you any other cards, anything else? You mean it might be a wrong name? That's right. Oh, no, I'm sure about that. I wouldn't just hand my money over to anybody. I was sure. Well, how do you mean? I saw his driver's license. Did he tell you where he worked? You mean in what department? That's right. Yes. It's one of the reasons I believed him, because of where he worked. Yeah. Right here in the city hall. While I continued to talk to Mrs. Farwell, Frank put in a call to personnel. Three minutes later, he called me out into the hall. Let me close the door. What do you got? Well, I checked the personnel records. Yeah, what'd you find out? Looks like she was telling the truth. What? There is a Jim Farwell. City hall? Well, closer than that. Huh? Auto theft detail. We put in a call to auto theft detail and asked that Sergeant James Servell see us right away. While the victim waited in the squad room, Frank and I took the officer down to the interrogation room. Go ahead, sit down, Jim. Yeah. Thanks. Well, what's this all about? Well, it's a rough one, Jim. We hope you got the answers. I'll give me a try. How long have you been a policeman? Twelve years. How long have you been working auto theft, Jim? Two years this time. I worked there before, about five years ago. Uh-huh. Well, what's this all about, anyway? You know a woman named Farwell? Um, mm-hmm. No, I don't think I do. How about a man, Henry Farwell? No, I don't think so. No, wait a minute. Who? Um, a few years ago when I was working burglary. Seems we had a suspect with that name. Yeah. Big guy. Fallen twice before, the way I remember. Bad name around town. Might be the same one. What about him? I already went to the joint a couple of years ago. Well, his wife came in here this morning. Yeah. Says she gave a man $3,500 to get Farwell out of jail. Lawyer? No. Some kind of a deal. This fellow said he knew the right people. Told her a little juice had opened the doors for her old man. How do I fit into this? Well, this guy told her he was a policeman. Showed her ID to prove it. What name? Sure. you believe it? Well, no, we don't want to. We figured we'd get your side of the story first. Well, there's nothing to tell you, Freddy. I had no part in the action. That's the truth. I hope it stands up. It's got to. I don't know anything about the deal. Nothing at all. I wouldn't know the woman if she walked in here right now. Well, then you don't mind letting her take a look at you, then? No, no. Bring her in. Right? Yeah. How'd she happen to pick me? Told us the fellow that took her gave your name. Must be a goof up someplace. Mm-hmm. 
You got your driver's license? Yeah. Want to show it to me? Sure. Next line is, take it out of your wallet, isn't it? I don't like this any better than you do, Jim. Yeah. Here you are. You got your badge on you? Yeah. You want that, too? Yeah, I want to see it. All right. Miss Farwell says the suspect showed her a badge. Says it looked good. I don't think it was mine. Huh? Here. You want to step inside, Miss Farwell? Yes, thank you. All right, Miss Farwell, you know this man? Yeah. Seems I've seen him someplace before. Yes. Now be careful and look carefully. Do you know where you've seen him? I'm trying to think. Take your time, be sure. Yes, ma'am. Please be sure. Yeah, hair's a little shorter. Had a mustache before. But I can tell. I can tell for sure. What's all? He's the one that took my money. Mrs. Farwell was taken down the hall where she made a complete report. We continued to interrogate Sergeant James Cervell, but he maintained his innocence. He was suspended from the police department pending an investigation by our detail and the district attorney's office. A week went by. During that time, we talked to Sorvel's friends and the men he worked with. His financial condition was investigated. He owed some money, but he was not behind in his payments. His bank account didn't show any large deposits, and from what we could find out, he was not living beyond his means. If he was guilty, he hadn't spent any of the money that he'd taken. We asked the stats office to make a run on con men who had used a similar approach. They came back with a list of 18 possible suspects. We pulled the mug shots from the packages on the men, and we drove out to see Mrs. Farwell. She showed us into the living room of a very small house. Now then, what is it this time? You come to bring my money back? No, ma'am. Well, when am I going to get it? Seems like a long time. The mister's still in prison and I haven't got my money. Yes, ma'am. We'd like you to look at some pictures, if you would. What for? We'd like to see if you recognize any of the men. Sure, I got nothing else to do. Let's see them. There you are, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. All right. Now, looked at the pictures. Now I get the money. No, ma'am. When do I get it? Well, we haven't been able to recover it yet. What? We haven't found it yet. What about that man you got, Sorvel? What about him? Ma'am? Make him tell you where the money is. He took it. Make him tell. From what we've been able to find out, he hasn't got it. Now we get down to cases, huh? What's that? Let's lay the cards on the table. I'm getting pretty mad about it. When I first came to see you, I wanted the money back. Either that or to have the mister out of prison. Either one. It didn't much matter which, but I did want one of them. Yes, ma'am. We understand. Now, you've got the man who took the $3,500, got him in jail, and you tell me you can't find the money. Is that right? Yes, ma'am. That's right. You want to know what I think? You want to know? What's that? I think you're all in it together. That's what I think. The whole bunch of you, all in the thing together. That's not true. You say so, but I think different. Now... I'm going to tell you something, Mr. Friday. I'm not going to wait anymore. I want the money back or I'm going to the newspapers again. I'll tell them what's happened. They'll get me some action. Now, just a minute, Miss Farwell. No, I won't. I've done all my waiting already. You think that just because I'm an old woman, you can push me around. Well, you just got another thing coming. I want that money and I want it right now. And if I don't get it, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. We're doing everything we can to get your money Well, then you better start doing more because I'm not happy at all. All you cops, you stick together. Well, this time, it's not going to do you any good. 
You don't understand, Miss Farwell. I think I do. Maybe too much. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'll give you just three days to get that money back or I'll scream my head off to the newspapers. You've got the man in jail. Next thing you'll be telling me he didn't do it. We're not sure he did. Uh-huh. Well, he did. I guess I know. I'm the one he stole from. He's the man and I want to see him in prison, too. Well, if he's guilty, that's where he'll go. I'm telling you, he is. What more do you need? Just one more thing. What's that? Proof. Frank and I went back to the office and met with Captain Fulton. We laid out the results of our investigation. According to what the victim had told us, we had the right man in custody. But according to the evidence we'd found, it was a case of mistaken identity. Two days later, on Thursday, April 28th, we got a call from a bartender out on Vermont Avenue. Frank and I drove out to see him. Hi. I'd like to see Vince Elkhart. I'm him. What do you want? Police officers. Frank Smith. My name's Friday. Oh, yeah? I want to come back here? We can talk. Yeah, fine. All right, what do you want to see us about? I know I'm letting myself in for a lot of trouble. Anything you guys can do to help me out, I'd appreciate it. But I ain't asking for no special treatment. Well, I suppose you tell us what it is. Well, night before last, a couple of kids came in. They sat at the bar, ordered a drink. Mm-hmm. Well, they looked kind of young, so I asked to see their ID. Playing it safe, you know. Go ahead. Well, they showed me their driver's licenses. I checked them, looked all right to me, so I served them. Yeah. Guess it made him kind of embarrassed. He only had one and then shoved off. Mm-hmm. It was no sooner out of the place when this guy came up. Told me he wanted to talk. What about? Said the two kids were underage. Minors. That I'd served him and the beef was on. Well, who was it? That's why I called you. Maybe I was wrong serving the kids. Maybe I did make a mistake, but I sure ain't going to stand for no shakedown. Not a penny's worth. This man tried it, did he? Sure. Told me if I paid off, he'd forget what he saw. Well, who is it? Cop. Name of Jim Cervell. a description of the man who tried to blackmail Vince Elkhart. It matched Sergeant Jim Sorvell. While I continued to talk to Elkhart, Frank put in a call to the policeman and asked him to come over to the bar. It took him 12 minutes to get there. He was brought into the place and confronted by the bartender. Would you turn around? Sure. How's that? Uh-huh. Yeah. How about it? He hasn't any doubt as far as I'm concerned. No. He's the wrong man. We made arrangements for Vince Elkhart, the bartender, to come down to the city hall and go through the mug books. He was unable to find a picture of the suspect. We contacted CII up in Sacramento and asked them to check their files. Thursday, 5.30 p.m., we returned to the bar. No. Come right down to it. I guess I should have known he wasn't a cop. Should have known it all along. Have you seen this fellow before? I'm not sure about that. Seems like I might have, but I can't be sure. Mm-hmm. We do a pretty good business in here. A lot of people. He might have been around, but I can't name a date or time. Mm. Was he with anybody the night he was in here, do you remember? I don't remember. Matter of fact, I don't even remember him coming in. Just all of a sudden, after the kids left, he was at the bar, tossing me the pick. Mm-hmm. Really sanded me to think a carpet pull a stunt like that. Well, what'd you tell him when he asked you for the payoff? Said for him to get out of the place. That if he was going to make a pinch to go ahead and do it, or else clear out. Did he leave? Yeah. Said I didn't give him any choice. Walked out. Hello. Yeah, that's right. Just a minute. Hey, Vince. Yeah? Catch the phone, will you? Yeah. 
Excuse me. Yeah, go right sure, ahead. Sure, go ahead. Hello? Yeah, that's right. Who? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. No, I understand. Uh-huh. Well, it's nice of you. Sure, I, I thought about it. Okay. Yeah. Goodbye. You guys must live right. Hmm? That was him. The phony cop? Yeah. He'll be right over. Frank and I took up positions in the back of the bar. Twenty minutes later, the suspect walked in. Hi, Elkhart. Hello. Want to give me a Coke high? Sure. Looks like him. Jesus. Oh, it's sure been cold lately, huh? Yeah. Not doing much business. Slow night. Here's your drink. Thanks. Where can we talk? It's all right, here. You know, what about the two guys in the back? They won't bother anybody. Both gassed. Yeah. All right, Alcott, what about it? You mean the payoff? That's right. I talked to the boys downtown. They say they let you off the hook for 750 That's a lot of money. Your license is worth more, isn't it? I suppose so. But I got to know what I'm buying. Who are these guys downtown? Well, that doesn't come into it. All you got to do is dig up the money. How high does the juice go? What do you mean? Just that. How far up does the payoff go? All the way to the top. Mm, yeah, no. All right. Yes, sir, you play along with us and you'll do all right. This is him. All right, mister, let's go. What are you talking about? What is this? Police officers, you're under arrest. For what? Suspicion, grand theft, impersonating an officer, and we ought to be able to figure up a couple more on the way downtown. <laughs> oh, hey, you guys are wrong. You made a mistake. Sure we have. Stand still. Nice clean job. You're going to be awful sorry about this. Is that right? Sure, I got a lot of friends in town. Some of them pretty high. Mm-hmm. You mind giving me your names and numbers? I want to be sure I got the right dope on you guys. Time I get through, you'll both be working so far out, you'll need a passport to get home. Mm-hmm. Got it all figured, haven't you? Front, back, and in the middle. Yeah. Like reading a story. Well, I don't know about the first part. Yeah. But I can tell you how it's going to end. The suspect was taken down to the city hall. He refused to give us his name, and a thorough search of his person failed to turn up anything to aid in identifying him. His fingerprints were rolled... While we waited for the results of the check, Frank and I talked to the suspect in the squad room. How long you figure you're going to be able to keep this thing up? I don't know what you're talking about. No, come off it. We've got you dead to rights and you know it. News to me. Why don't you tell us who you are? I forgot. You know a man named Jim Sorvel? I don't think so. Well, according to that bartender, you said you were Sorvel. Oh, he's got a big mouth. Look, have you ever been arrested? I forgot. You better get your memory back. Why? Okay. ID... Smith. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Wait a minute. Toss me that card. Here you are. All right. All right. 46? Yeah. Yeah. All right. 52, huh? Okay. All right, thanks a lot. You better get in touch with those big friends of yours. I will when it's necessary. Well, time just came up. We got your record. Hmm? Full name, Charles Bobo Kiernan Offner. You've fallen twice in California, once for GTA, once for attempted robbery. There's an outstanding one from Eureka and two from out of state, all three on charges of extortion. Want to read the rest of it? How about it? 
You don't have to. I'm in the box. Where's the badge and the driver's license? My place. Where's that? Hotel over on Grand. Where'd you get the badge? Bought it. Guy I know. One of the old ones. Mark doesn't know the difference. Yeah. How about the license? Made that up myself. Why'd you pick Sorvel? Looked like a good dodge. A cop who's going to cause trouble. Why him? He tagged a cleaning store out in Highland Park one night. Must be the place where the Sorvel does business. Clerk thought I was him. We got to talking. Things just worked out. What about the prison deal? How'd you build that for yourself? Oh, I know a guy up at Q. He buddies up with a prisoner, gets all the information, and types a letter out to me, and I pull the swindle. How many times you worked the deal? Collected three. Last one was an old woman. What'd you take? 3500 Just you and the guy up in the joints, that all raise? Yeah. You willing to make a statement? Sure. All right, we'll call a stenographer. Look, can you tell me something? What's that? The two out-of-state beefs. You think they'll extradite me? We don't call it. Why? We'd rather do my time here in California. It's nicer here. Yeah. Prettier. Lots of nice scenery in California. It's different. Well, I wouldn't worry. Hmm? You won't see much of it. The story you've just heard is true. The names were changed to protect the innocent. On July 28th, trial was held in Department 96, Superior Court of the State of California, in and for the County of Los Angeles. In a moment, the results of that trial. <laughs> Charles Kiernan Offner was tried and convicted on grand theft money three counts and received sentence as prescribed by law. Grand theft money is punishable by imprisonment for a period of not less than one nor more than ten years in the state penitentiary. Sergeant James Sorbel was reinstated in his duties with full back pay. just heard Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice comes from the office of Chief of Police W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department. Technical advisors, Captain Jack Donahoe, Sergeant Marty Wynn, Sergeant Vance Frazier. Heard tonight were Ben Alexander, Helen Klebe, Than Wyan, Herb Ellis, Jack Crucian. Script by John Robinson. Music by Walter Schumann. Hal Gibney speaking. Watch an entirely different Dragnet case history each week on your local NBC television station. Please check your newspapers for the day and time. Chesterfield has brought you Dragnet, transcribed from Los Angeles. Hear Dragnet next week, same time, same station. This is the NBC Radio Network. Welcome back. I was uh, made curious by Frank Smith's uh, description of the uh, Basset Hound, and I did a Google image search because not only is the most famous fictional Basset Hound uh, named Droopy, but most of the Basset Hounds I've seen, uh, you know, at the dog park and such tend to have that same general description, but there are actually Basset Hounds that uh, do smile. Uh, the uh, saying, uh, which I did not get at all, since Hector was a pop, from what I could find online, appears to have dated back to the 20s. Uh, and, uh, there was the explanation that, uh, uh, 
Uh, it may have been when schoolboys were studying Greek and they named their dogs Hector after the uh, hero in Homer. And then uh, uh, the other possibility uh, is that, uh, uh, according to Euripides, uh, Hector's mother Hecuba was turned into dog for murdering the killer of her older son. Therefore, Hector was the son of the dog, which made him a pup. Um, and uh, the Free Dictionary says, in any event, the phrase is now obsolete. Uh, from Joe Friday's reaction, I kind of think the phrase was also obsolete, or pretty close to it, by 1955. All right. Well, uh, with that, we're going to turn to listener comments and feedback. And I'll warn you that this is going to be a bit serious and maybe a little heavy. So if you're not in for that, uh, you can feel free to just uh, press stop. All right. Well, I received a Facebook message. Chris. Uh, Chris uh, writes in, Hello, Adam. First off, I love the great work you've been doing with the great detectives of old-time radio. I've commented before, and I'll probably comment again, but right now I'd like to be a bit more serious and bring up the elephant in the room. Uh, though I previously stated Dragnet is one of my favorites, along with yours truly, Johnny Dollar and Sherlock Holmes, I admit that it's a bit on the problematic side. Though it's based on actual police cases, it does present an overly optimistic uh, view of the LAPD. Joe Friday and his partner are heroic, by-the-book cops, incorruptible with a strong sense of justice and fairness. Uh, they never have to break into people's places without a warrant or use excessive force. The toughest Joe Friday ever gets is when he gives a, a guilty party a the reason you suck speech. And those don't happen all that often. Furthermore, Friday and his partner uh, never have to go against or even question the system because in Dragnet, the system always works. Each episode ends with the right person apprehended and arrest and sentence. And there's no episode where they encounter any witnesses or perpetrators who were mot motivated because of any sort of systemic failure. From what I heard, there was an episode of the Dragnet radio series that dealt with a corrupt officer as opposed to others which dealt with people impersonating cops, but was still am among the missing episodes last I heard. Right now, we are sending many people upset uh, at the police for a huge failure in the system, the failure of the police to avoid racial profiling and police brutality. People are mad at the police right now and want the nation's police as a whole to clean up its act. With that in mind, I was wondering if it might be a good idea to give Dragnet a few weeks off. Maybe you could air one of the other shows you've been meaning to air in its place, or maybe missing episodes of other detective shows you've already run that have now come into circulation. Because right now, it seems like airing a police procedural in the midst of all these protests is like airing a movie about a airplane hijackings right after 9-11. It's just too soon. Don't get me wrong, I like Dragnet, but in these times we are reminded our, that our favorite police procedurals from Dragnet to Law & Order Special Victims Unit uh, present an overly optimistic portrayal of the police. We'd like all our police officers to be as incorruptible as Joe Friday or as idealistic as Olivia Benson, and we'd like the system overall to truly protect and serve the public. But the at the moment, we can't avoid reminders that real-life policing is a lot uh, messier. Anyway, thank you for the good work you do, and I hope you think about this for a while. 
Thanks for the message, Chris. And I think, uh, like most people, I've been shocked and dismayed by so many reports uh, coming in over the past few weeks that have exposed some corrupt officers and some very uh, disturbing behaviors uh, by many law enforcement personnel uh, throughout the United States. And has been a particularly painful time for black Americans. And it's revealed that uh, while we've made progress in our country on race, we have a long way to go. And there's so much that we need to discuss as to how we address uh, these racial issues and also the concerns about uh, police brutality that we're going to have to see addressed through our nation's political processes and in our communities. Now, I'm not going to draw out uh, my answer to Chris's request. I'm not trying, you know, this isn't like some reality show where I'm trying to keep people in suspense. So I will go ahead and address uh, his request on Dragnet, and then I'll explain my reasoning. If I thought that pulling Dragnet from our schedule for the next two or three months would bring a resolution to the problems in our nation's streets and a resolution to all of these problems we face, I'd gladly do it. However, I'm not afflicted by delusions of grandeur. What I do on this podcast with what shows I play and what shows I don't play is not going to change the course of this debate. And I'm not going to to remove Dragnet from the schedule. My reasons for the decision fall into two categories. First is just the practical uh, category. I think responding to news stories in that fashion really takes the show as a series, Great Detectives of Old Time Radio, in a direction I really don't want to take it. And that is passing judgment on 65-year-old-plus programs based on the news stories going on at the moment. And this is a series, even if the star is not a policeman, where we are having our heroes interact and deal with police, often work with police, on a very close basis. I mean, why stop with Dragnet? Uh, Mystery is my hobby. Features Inspector Noah Danton. Should that be cut from the schedule? In a great many episodes, uh, Johnny Dollar works arm-in-arm with uh, police officials, and they aren't portrayed as corrupt, but as competent, decent people. And if that uh, portrayal is offensive, do we need to start skipping over every episode of Johnny Dollar where Johnny is working arm-in-arm with the police. Do I need to start editing programs uh, for other things? For example, if we have episodes of Father Brown come into circulation. Uh, We currently only have two episodes of that series. 
if we have, say, five more episodes come into circulation and two weeks in, we have a clergy abuse scandal uh, flare up? Do I need to stop playing episodes of Father Brown? While I appreciate uh, what Chris is asking for, it's not really in the spirit of the show. In some ways, it's in violation of the uh, promise and premise of the program, which is that we'll play you each series that we decide to do from first available episode to last. Now, I will say that I do exercise some judgment over which series we do decide to play. And there are some things in old-time radio where I've decided it is problematically over-the-top in how offensive it is. Uh, one example of that, one series that you'll not hear on, is The Misadventures of Cy and Elmer, which has some of the most uncomfortably racist material I've heard, uh, in addition to being just wretchedly uh, written and being a comedy that is not actually funny. But with the series that we do decide to play, I don't endorse every attitude or statement made or how it might relate to current events. This is a podcast made for adults living in the 21st century. And unless something is going to be just uh, a bit over the top compared to what you would expect for typical programming uh, during the era, I really trust the audience to make a lot of the decisions and to understand that these stories are told in the context of their time. Now, that being said, I also think that there's quite a bit that I fundamentally think Chris has misinterpreted uh, about Dragnet. The statement that the toughest Joe Friday ever gets is when he gives speeches, um, I don't quite understand where he would get that perspective. See uh, The Big Thief, where he has to, the TV episode The Big Thief, where he has to shoot a suspect. There are numerous episodes where use of force is used in Dragnet. The fist fight in the 1954 movie, tear gas in the big break. These events don't happen all the time to Joe Friday because Dragnet is portraying the work of a detective, which is going to uh, involve very little in terms of use of force in real life, the more sensational shows, you know, that you have the detectives, you know, drawing guns all the time. It happens far more rarely in Dragnet, but it certainly does happen. I also tend to look at Dragnet holistically as an entire franchise and not treat the radio version in the 1950s TV V version as something different from the films and the 1960s TV series. Or Adam 12, for that matter. I think that they are all tied together, and I think they do show a very strong uh, record 
of dealing with uh, some difficult topics. The 1950s uh, series didn't deal much with police corruption, other than in that episode, The Big Cop but later episodes of Dragnet and then Adam-12 did address uh, the issue. Friday was uh, paired with a lieutenant when Gannon got sick uh, in one episode, uh, and the lieutenant tried to pressure him into a corruption scheme, and he had to get help in order to uh, break this corrupt lieutenant. Adam-12 dealt with uh, police uh, corruption in at least three different episodes. They did the episode Badge Heavy about a police officer who was getting rough uh, with the public, but Jim Reed had to find the courage to uh, stand up to him because he was popular uh, with the... uh, with the fellows for his uh, jokes and his sense of humor, but Reed saw things that were wrong and he had to confront it and deal with it. They had another episode where Malloy learns that a fellow officer, a friend on the force, is actually corrupt and taking bribes. Now, there are a lot of arguments that can be made that Maybe the series Dragnet and Adam-12 should have addressed it more. They should have addressed it sooner. They should have addressed it in the way that, you know, people alive today think it should have been, uh, it should have been addressed. And certainly folks have the right to feel that way. But I think that Jack Webb and the series did take on these issues. And they addressed a whole lot of other issues. Uh, that uh, society was afraid to talk about, things like child abuse. And they also dealt with issues of race. In the 1966 Dragnet movie, we saw a portrayal of a black detective, and Friday, at the end of one of his great speeches, told off a suspect who used a racial slur on the officer. And there was even an entire episode of the 1960s Dragnet where Friday leads a targeted recruiting effort in the black community in Los Angeles. And Jack Webb was someone who was very passionate about civil rights for black Americans. I'd encourage those who want to learn more to check out uh, the Jack Webb Centennial series we did over at amazing.greatdetectives.net. Listen to One Out of Seven, Hour of St. Francis, the Escape episode Poison, the uh, Family Theater episode, The Short Career of Dexter Coles. And you see those concerns reflected in those projects that he involved himself in. So I think given the actual history of the Dragnet franchise and Webb personally uh, that it doesn't really make sense to withdraw Dragnet. That's not to say that the show is perfect or that it didn't portray the LAPD more positively than the way that many officers uh, carried out their duties. 
what Dragnet and Adam-12 represent is an idea about the type of people we want to be policemen. They're not perfect people, but they are good ones who do the best they can in a difficult job to help people and do justice. And even though uh, both series portrayed uh, the job of police as a tedious, challenging, uh, emotionally difficult job, it inspired many people who wanted to make a difference to go into police work. Just as uh, emergency inspired many people to go into EMT work. I hear, you know, one thing I do hear and I kind of wonder about, because I hear people, you know, praising the idea of portraying, you know, policemen as more morally ambiguous and and corrupt. I wonder people what type of people will watch those shows and say, you know what, I want to be a policeman. Are they going to be the type of people you want to have on the police force? And I guess that's another problem I have with Chris's analogy. Because the way that Chris puts out the analogy of this being like playing an, a movie about a terrorist attack on an airplane around 9-11 is kind of backwards. If Dragnet were a series about patrol officers committing brutality, that would be an apt comparison. However, it's a series about detectives being professional in the performance of their duties. So then it would be kind of like playing a movie about a helicopter that doesn't get attacked at all around 9-11. Certainly, recent events show us that Dragnet doesn't cover the totality of America's uh, police forces. There are a lot of problems that need to be addressed. But neither do the horrific incidents that we've seen represent the totality of America's police forces. Thanks to modern video technology, a lot of bad cops are being exposed and will be dealt with and removed from the police force. They will leave a gigantic mess behind for others to clean up. I do think that when we are talking about all the police in America, we need to avoid using the phrase, the police, uh, to refer to everybody and paint with a broad stroke. We don't have a single unified American police force. We have thousands of agencies across the United States, some with great cultures, some with horrible cultures. Some wonderful officers, some awful officers. When the dust settles, it will fall to the best of our country's law enforcement pick up the pieces to bear the reproach brought upon them by those who abuse their power to adjust to the changes and to serve and protect their communities. And I think... These men and women who will help our country move forward are well represented in the spirit of what Dragnet has attended. Well, that uh, went on a while. I appreciate that not everyone will agree, and if uh, you know you're personally bothered by Dragnet at this point, uh, 
because of what's going on, I just encourage you, if you want to listen later, download it and save it for a time when you feel more like listening. I do want to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you so much to Barbara, Patreon supporter uh, since July of 2019, currently supporting us at the chief of detective level of uh, $30 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support. And that will actually be all for now. Join us back here on Monday with uh, Box 13. Next Tuesday, we will bring you an episode of Defense Attorney, and we'll be back next Saturday with another episode of Dragnet. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.